Welcome in, folks. This is Sean Zock on the Drop Zone with a co-host who is in a much warmer place than me. Dylan Chair is down in the Bahamas, which is where everyone wants to be right now. Uh, Dylan, what is the island life like for you? The person that checked me in at the front desk yesterday, Sean, said that she could really feel the winter weather coming in. I think it was like 67 or 68. She had her jacket on. She was a little concerned. It was getting kind of chilly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at down here. It is sunny. I got the sun on my face. I'm sitting outside the media center. Uh, you will probably hear some ambient noise, but Sean, you will not hear the voice of Tiger Woods because he already spoke. He wrapped his press conference this morning and that has been really the talk of the golf media world ever since. Yeah. You were in the front row, second row. Where were you seated during this presser? It's actually funny. So typically we file into, you know, from the media center, we go file into like a separate little room where they do press conferences. That's like the typical setup at basically any golf event that I've been to. But here, I don't know if it's just because it's a COVID thing or because it's a small media center and, and kind of a small event. But um, what they had us do is just basically sit in our normal seats and Tiger just came into the room. So... Yeah, it was a very much like work from home vibe um, in the sense that, you know, you just had breakfast and you're just sitting in the same seat. And now Tiger Woods just appears in front of you. And uh, now he's going to answer your questions. So you had you had not seen the guy yourself in probably most of a year. What was it like seeing him in the flesh? Yeah, it's true. You know, I've spent quite a bit of time around him, and then there's just this giant gap. And I think that that's true, not just of people in the golf media world, but just golf fans. We're used to having this guy in our lives. We're used to having a, a lot of touch points with him throughout the year. Um, it was good. I mean, he has such command of a room, such command of basically every place that he walks into that you could tell right away when he had arrived because the, you know, the collective attention really goes towards wherever he is. So he rolls up with a couple of his people, Mark Steinberg, his agent was there, Rob McNamara, who we've taken to calling like his right-hand man, his best friend. He was there. Um, it's his event, so everyone kind of works for him. So he rolled into the back, uh, walked in. We were all kind of paying extra attention to his just his strides and how he was walking. He was walking better than I expected, I would say. Um, you know, not totally normal, but Tiger hasn't really walked normally in like, what, like five years anyway. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, little things like he, he, there was a step up to the stage and he stepped up that with no problem. Uh, he looks jacked. That's one thing. His upper body looks incredibly strong. I've um, been saying that for a week. He looked jacked in that swing video he did from his practice yeah. range at medalist but there was a little bit more like distance between the camera and the player, but he was busting through his polo shirt in that video. Now that he like puts his elbows on the pedestal and starts flexing yeah. a little bit, guys yoked. Well, he's yoked. It reminded me a little bit of 2017, actually Tiger showed up at the president's cup in New Jersey and my man was bigger than Brooks Kepka. Like at, that was that was right in the peak phase of Brooks Kepka could play in the NFL talk. And mm. I remember seeing Tiger standing next to him. Tiger's taller and he looked like basically just as strong at the time too. 
plus you know at time right now it's not like tiger's been able to do any cardio short of crutching around his property so he's you know he's in thick mode that was the first impression we really have not gotten any substance yet i like this yeah i know you're kind of I don't know, you're kind of doing your best tiger impersonation by really not talking about the elephant in the room, kind of lengthening your own answers, kind yeah. of putting off the real topic at hand, which is this is Tiger's first press yeah. conference in nine months. His first time talking to a pool of reporters, which is important. He did an interview with Golf Digest, Golf TV, uh, that was about 40 second, or excuse me, 40 minutes long. He, yeah. he gave a lot of similar answers in that that he gave in today's press conference but notably he was not going to be asked about his car crash in that interview um and you grabbed the first question of the presser which you know is bold on its own and i don't blame you for not asking him about the car crash in that moment but a couple questions later soon enough he finally got asked about it what was his response it's funny the thing about these Tiger Woods press conferences is that every single person there wants to ask a question, but almost nobody wants to ask the first question. Nobody wants to bat lead off. Um, so I, w- I was willing. I, yeah, I don't know if it was a soft question, but it was definitely not a hard hitting. Let's get right to the car accident question. I just asked him how, you know, this comeback compared to others. But yes, Mark Canizero uh, from the New York Post had maybe the third question and. He asked Tiger uh, basically what happened that day, and Tiger was frankly not interested in answering. Um, there That's were a, a nice few way of putting it. Yeah, I just wrote a, an article about you know being there for the press conference, and it'll cover this some similar ground to what we're going to cover here. But um, I had kind of three big takeaways, and that was one of them, which is that Tiger just did not seem interested in. Uh, opening up about that day. I mean, there are a number of different explanations for it, but yeah, first, here's what Tiger said. He said, yeah, all those answers have been answered in the investigation, so you can read about all that there in the Post report, which is demonstrably not true. Um, I mean, (laughs) there are a lot of things that we don't know about that day, probably a lot more that we don't know than what we do know. Uh, And there would be a potential human response where tiger would say you know it here's this crazy thing this was you know the craziest day of my life here's what i remember kind of open up instead he's chosen the opposite which is just basically to say i've said all i'm going to say which is essentially nothing except what i was mandated to say to the authorities yeah why is that in his best interest to answer that question that way that's a really multifaceted question probably Sean I mean so there's one really simple thing which could be you know this investigation got closed pretty quickly uh, and I would say favorably for Tiger we don't know the details really of what happened that day but he probably doesn't want to invite any more scrutiny on what did happen uh, Mm -hmm. because it sort of has resolved itself so that's definitely part of it there's another part where Tiger has pretty much his entire career gotten pretty good at shutting down the questions that he has no interest in answering and sometimes people then really throw shade at the media there in person for saying oh you know you're you're being soft on tiger sometimes probably that's fair but he's also has just decided that he's not going to answer this question so to some extent there's no getting around that he's a he's a pretty 
he has a pretty iron will on that stuff. Um, so I think he's just he's basically made the calculation. I think that if he shuts it down, that will discourage further questioning on that particular subject. But is he right? I mean, yeah, he's totally right. Oh yeah, no, I mean, there is a collective incentive to ask Tiger about this stuff, but there's almost zero individual incentive. So if you are if you are a media member and you are looking out only for yourself why would you ask tiger a question that is going to make him you know mad at you or whatever i think that that's that's like one argument to be made but in the collective everyone is better off if people ask the tough questions so that's like this whole balance of being there in person and being in the scrums or in the press conferences there's like a collective nature to it, even though everyone works for different outlets and, and different organizations. Was it kind of clear then after Canizaro gets shut down that, okay, guys, we're going to, we're going to start asking different questions here. Did it kind of feel like the room, did it feel awkward? It's funny. It definitely gets a little bit awkward when he shuts down the room like that because, uh, he's not subtle about it. It's very obvious what he's doing. He's comfortable doing it then yeah people try to take different angles into different parts of his recovery and his story i guess the other answer to your earlier question of like why is it in his best interest to not talk about it i think that there's an element of embarrassment about it i mean this is a it's a very public incident it's i mean it was horrific it was very scary and even though really i would say everyone in attendance um wishes tiger well and and you know, wants him to be healthy and be present and all of these things. I'm not sure that he always sees it that way. I think he thinks that there's an element of, you know, the media being out to get him. Certainly there are some media that benefit from, you know, splashy stuff happening to Tiger Woods. So I don't think he wants to feed into that with regards to the crash itself. I don't think he wants to make any more news on that subject. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't want to fast forward over everything else he said in his press conference, but yeah. you asked the first question and you asked one of the last questions in the presser, um, the second of which was, I think, a really good question and uh, a question that people actually, they, they don't think it's a good question. Some people do think it's a good one, some people don't. The question, I guess I'll let you repeat it, but it kind of boiled down to asking Tiger, what's yeah. fair game? Well, this is where our job gets extremely meta is generally people don't really care what we do um, day in and day out. But when it comes to a Tiger Woods press conference, when it comes to him making his public debut again, I understand why there's extra scrutiny. And look, I mean, all it is is asking questions. It's the classic job where everyone at home thinks that they could do a better job than you're doing in person. Um, and to some extent they probably have a point uh it's not rocket science but i did really feel late in the game like someone else should follow up in some way about the crash because that is the root of everything that's the it's it's why tiger is not playing golf anymore i mean it essentially if it didn't end his career it at least accelerated it into this next phase which which he's suggesting is uh closer to the end of his career so i mean it's a big deal and also there's the uncomfortable fact that tiger could have done everything exactly the same as he did and seriously injured someone else i mean he his car could have traveled the same path and if another car had been going the opposite direction something really bad would have happened and 
So because that didn't happen, is he then entitled to the privacy of, you know, this was just you in a single car accident. It's no one else's business. Maybe. Uh, I actually have been feeling a lot of gray area and questioning about that. So I figured the best way to resolve that would just be to ask Tiger about it. So I, I said, you know, some version of, look, Tiger, clearly you want to keep this private. Do you feel like the, the crash was your business and none of our business? Um, and he, he said, he said something interesting. He said, well, I kind of feel that way with most of my life, which was kind of funny. And he said, it doesn't really work out that way, which is true. I mean, he has, as much as he likes to be a control freak about everything that he can, there's certain things that he just cannot control whatsoever. Yeah, and then Tiger talked about how he didn't watch any news coverage in the days afterwards. It sounds like he's tried to avoid reading about it. Um, it was kind of a vulnerable moment. He said, I wasn't mentally ready for that road yet. He didn't use his phone. He refused to turn on the local channels and the news. He just watched sports. Uh, he was trying to avoid everything. And then he said, yeah, people are going to poke and prod and want to know more about my business. I understand that. Just as long as they don't go into, they can poke and prod at me all they want. Just stay away from my family. And he said those last few words and he really held his gaze. And I don't think he was like staring me down exactly as much as he was kind of like making his point and putting a, a exclamation mark on the end of that statement that like basically leave his family out of this. That felt weird to me. I cannot imagine how weird it felt for you. Um, the fact that you were really not even bringing up his family. Um, is he more so referencing something else that happened in regards to his family? I don't know. You were asking the guy if information that, you know, his perspective on his crash, if that is, if that's, you know, private information or if it's fair game to be public information, I think it's an extremely fair question. I think the reason why, in my opinion, I even like took to Twitter to say that it was a good question and completely fair is because like you said, where Tiger Woods was going that day, what he was doing, how he was getting there. That's completely Tiger Woods private business. The minute it becomes public is, is the minute that he crosses the median, runs into a sign, crosses through what would be what would be oncoming traffic and ends up with his SUV or his, his, his Genesis Suburban in someone's backyard. That's the minute it becomes not so private yeah. anymore. And the minute that his life becomes uh, in danger and his limbs become in danger of repair and he has to get rescued, the greatest golfer who ever lived, one of the most famous celebrities on the planet, the minute that that person needs to get rescued with the jaws of life, it's not private anymore. And so we have not been given many public explanations for that. And what Tiger has said that has been made public is what was in, included in the affidavit of the investigation is that he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember driving before the accident, which is a, a tricky thing and a, a difficult thing for us to believe because generally that would be the only thing you really care about is like, what led me here? What happened in the 200, 300, 600 yeah. yards prior to me ending up in the hospital. So that's why the questions yeah. are fair. That's why your question was extremely fair. 
because he's had nine months to think about it. He's had nine months to read whatever he wanted to read. And just because he didn't want to read much and didn't like maybe how big of a story this became doesn't mean that it wasn't a huge public story. So there I got my two cents in. Yeah. I just wanted I, well, yeah, to settle at least that side of what I see the debate to be when a lot of questions are critiqued. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was definitely a lot of critiquing going on, which just led to an interesting discussion because some people really clearly feel strongly um, that Tiger should not be asked questions that he doesn't want to answer, essentially. I think that there's a whole school of thought that is so, you know, pro-player, understandably. I mean, if he's your favorite golfer, you don't want him to... You don't want some journalist putting him in a weird position. Um, But I think that you have to ask the question because part of our job is to be a stand-in for the public, right? It's to, like, ask the questions that people want to hear the answers to. And I think a lot of people would respond by saying, yeah, man, it's really crazy. I just can't remember it. I blacked it out. I don't know if that's my mind's defense mechanism through for going through this traumatic incident or what it is, but it's just crazy. The first thing I remember is waking up in the hospital bed or whatever it is it's it's telling that he doesn't share that i think it's also well within his rights not to share it i think that's where um i maybe differ from the people on the far other side of the of the coin that think it's sort of all our business i think it's our responsibility to ask the question and kind of push him on it and you know we're also not the cops we're not (laughs) needing to get to the bottom of this so if he's not going to answer that is also well within his rights so i say fair play on both sides i say it's it's revealing about tiger but certainly uh well within his rights yeah i totally agree pretty revealing uh and pretty good on you i would say for actually stepping up and get it i appreciate that no matter what the folks on twitter say well and more so getting a response from tiger that we haven't got before right I was, I was very interested if Tiger would respond to your question with the exact same response he gave to Cannizzaro, which is, it's all in the police report. Um, but you were able to kind of run adjacent to hit Cannizzaro's questioning with something that Tiger actually responded well to, and with a, I think, somewhat coherent answer. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that that was a good moment to wrap up. What was a 40-minute long presser? Um, now Tiger was seated next to the CEO, I believe, or the owner, I'm not sure of hero motorsport. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that guy got asked a couple questions. My man did not get his normal volume of questions. I feel like usually he takes over that press conference. Well, either way, he he doesn't, I don't think he deserves a spot at the table, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Um, Tiger did say a lot of other things. He, like I said, he repeated he, he repeated some of what he told Henny Koyak uh, from Golf TV. Um, for the people who didn't catch that interview, for the people who didn't catch the press conference, I think like the next question is like, what else was super revealing from Tiger this morning? So, in this article that I just wrote, I divided it into three parts. The first part being, Tiger has come a long way. The second part being. Tiger has a long way to go. And the third part being, no, Tiger does not want to talk about uh, the crash. So we've already covered part three. I think it's worth talking about part one there a little bit because he actually 
did go into more detail than some version of Tiger would have uh, in terms of talking about his recovery and there being some dark moments throughout. Uh, he was really thankful to surgeons, to nurses in particular, he said, for keeping his spirits up, uh, for his family and his uh, close circle. He, he said he has a really good support system, um, but it sounded like he just was in a lot of pain. And I think some of that was, you know, mental anguish of being confined to a bed, but a lot of that was just physical pain. I mean, this dude broke his body. Um, one interesting thing that he told Henny yesterday that he didn't totally talk about today, but one of the first things he did was he wanted a golf club so that he could just kind of fiddle with a golf club while he was lying down in bed. Um, but he, one, one thing that I also liked was that he talked about how this is a dude that lives outside. He was like, I've lived my whole life outdoors. Um, so for him to suddenly be confined to a bed, he really missed just being outside. And he talked about that was a, a seminal moment in his recovery was when he could just get wheeled out in the sunshine uh, to get some fresh air. So that was like step one. And then he went from, you know, wheelchair to crutches to finally doing some walking, uh, to hitting some putts, hitting some chip shots. And now it sounds like he's playing golf. Just, you know, he made a lot of jokes at his own expense about, oh, he's hitting it so short. Oh, he's playing from the forward tees. Um, so it's been a process to get to this point. Did anything stick out from, from that recovery process to you? Uh, well, I, I was pleased to hear him kind of detail what his, his rehab process has been like. You know, he was telling Henny, oh, it's all about small steps that lead to bigger steps and small goals that lead to the next small goal that leads to a bigger goal. Uh, what was, I think, revealing is how serious it was that he could lose his leg. I know that we had heard those rumors. I know that that was a, a complete reality for Tiger his reality that he said he's he's accepted was that his leg was potentially going to be amputated um you know i think he hasn't necessarily said it was 50 50 but it was maybe a little bit worse than that i know that those kind of situations that's where i mean things are life is moving quickly in that moment holy cow you have you know we have an hour or two to save your leg um i'm it, it it's impossible to hear that and not think about the alternative reality where Tiger Woods is using a prosthetic limb to move around golf tournaments in the future. Um, that's how serious this was. Uh, we knew it was serious, but I think it's a, a worthwhile reminder um, and worthwhile because if the fact that Tiger Woods almost lost his leg is real, then we really should temper our expectations. <laughs> uh, we, we really struggle to do that with Tiger Woods. Uh, we, we always can't help, us help ourselves when it comes to tempering expectations for him. But this entire press conference was a little bit of that. Him saying, this is my reality, I've accepted it. Him saying, uh, look, it's not going to be on the PGA Tour full-time ever again. It could be two or three tournaments a year. I really hope that it works out one of those tournaments a year. But I can't grind anymore. I can't spend all day practicing anymore. I think I can putt and chip with the best of them, but I can't put a full swing with a driver in hand, you know, right now. And that's even further months down the road. So he did clue us into a lot of where he's at. Um, it will be difficult because people struggle with him to listen to him and act appropriately, I think. 
Totally. People just don't believe him or it almost like doesn't matter what he says because people are like, well, it's Tiger Woods. He's going to come back. I mean, the craziest moment for me was this guy was basically like, look, I asked a bunch of people and like 80, 85 percent of them think that you could still come back and win a major. Like, And then he said, what does that kind of expectation mean to you that you could let down billions of people if you don't come back? It's like Tiger was kind of like, well, uh, I'm very flattered that they think that, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, he didn't quite say it that way, but he was he basically just said, I have so far to go that that's insane talk um and it was but it was pretty you know what he also said he said he was in pain sitting there in front of you guys he said that his back hurt he said that his leg hurt i think we understand that a pain is a gigantic part of like such a serious rehab but that's another thing that people need to remember tiger woods you know fresh off of a night's sleep just basically driving around in a golf cart all week he no longer has crutches but for him to sit there in front of everyone was painful how do you expect a man to be ready to play golf tournaments at the pga tour if it's painful for him just to sit there that's another thing we have to remember yeah all of that said the second question <laughs> in the entire presser was essentially when are you going to play again yeah to me that is a bit of a bananas question but tiger posted a swing video last week you know it's not that bananas of a question. If he's saying, Leah, it's realistic that I could probably play a couple times a year. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting how he, he answered that question. Cause he didn't necessarily, he oh. didn't necessarily say, Hey, I'm not going to play the father son event later this month. He didn't rule anything out. He could play in three weeks. He could play the father son. He did not disqualify that, but at the same time he lowered expectations so much in every other answer that it sort of gave the impression that he's not going to play professional golf for a very long time. But maybe he doesn't count that in his mind. Maybe his son really wants to play, uh, and he would just go out there and, you know, worry a lot less about his individual performance. And, you know, maybe they could give him, like, a four handicap. Yeah. So I don't think we got any real answers on Tiger's future other than he's, he's, he's climbing a mountain. And, you know, he kind of used Mount Everest as his analogy, both in his interview with Golf Digest, but I, he maybe even have invoked that, that analogy again today. It's like he has a long road ahead. It is a steep climb. Um, but what also stands out is that he's doing a lot of smiling, laughing, uh, and kind of reminiscing and appreciating today, yesterday, tomorrow, for like everything that they are, yeah. which it speaks to a little bit of not necessarily a, a changed man, but a, a changed prerogative, a changed drive. Uh, and I, I imagine that's something that won't necessarily fade with Tiger. We'll probably see more of that in the months to come. He seemed more at peace with his situation um, than I think he has in the past. Like this is his reality. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if that's from really working hard at that if that has come naturally if that's something that he's had to practice um but he's definitely talking and looking like a believable game it sounds like he takes a lot of solace in that 2019 comeback and winning the masters in 2019 uh having climbed that mount everest and having really capped off the second stage of his career third fourth fifth stage of his career whatever you want to call it so he really talked himself into a place of you know 
I'm all good. Even if this is it, I'm all good. But at the same time, you know what else he said he was all good? When he was here like five years ago, when he was here six years ago, he talked about it being all gravy. I think it was 2015 he sat this tournament out and he gave a press conference at this tournament and it might have sounded a lot like the press conference he gave today. Granted, he was like 40 then and now he's 45. Um, but then he did say, let's see, this quote stood out. I don't foresee the leg ever being what it used to be. Hence, I'll never have the back where it used to be and the clock's ticking. I'm getting older, I'm not getting younger. But to ramp up for a few events a year, as I alluded to, as Mr. Hogan did, he did a pretty good job of it and there's no reason that I can't do that and feel ready. I may not be tournament sharp in the sense that I haven't played tournaments, but I think if you practice correctly, you do it correctly, I've come off surgeries before, off long layoffs, and I've won or come close to winning before, so I know the recipe for it. I've just got to get to a point where I feel comfortable enough where I can do that again. That's not a man that is giving up golf or quitting or doesn't have winning on the mind. That's a guy that's remembering he used to, you know, take six weeks off in the off season, come back, practice for a few days, and go win in Torrey Pines. Um, that's a guy with a lot of winning muscle memory that I think still somewhere down there is trying to lower expectations for himself and for us, but also can't help reminding us that, yeah, maybe he could still do it. Maybe he can. I mean, I think if you boil down everything, if you take, if you take the fact that he posted a swing video in which he said making progress, if you, if you take his quotes about chipping and putting saying, you know, I can still chip and putt with the best of them. If you, if you add the fact that he really, he really did enjoy competing and contending in front of his children uh, at majors in 2018, uh, obviously in 2019. Uh, if you take all of that into the equation, you know, maybe the 2021 ma or 2022 masters is too soon. That's five months from now. Maybe that's too soon. Uh, maybe the U S open isn't going to fit him because you know, thick rough and, and you know, all that crap. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe walking in the heat at Southern Hills doesn't make a ton of sense, but one person brought up the idea of him competing and links golf at St. Andrews at the 2022 Open Championship. Of course, he's won at twice. Of course, that you don't have to, you don't have to hit driver at. You don't have to be a long hitter. You have to be really good at chipping and putting and with your irons. If I had to, you know, look at the crystal ball and hope that something was spit out, that would be for me the reasonable goal for him um, I know it's not fair for me to set goals you probably don't even want to but to me that looks like a not too distant like North Star that he can start pointing his uh, his walk toward totally I mean I think there's an element of Augusta where it's just such familiar territory comfortable territory for him that that fits in one way but in terms of his game you, you have to be crushing the ball really to play well at Augusta the open is the is the major that's least dependent on distance, um, and it's probably therefore easiest on his body. I mean, it's like Federer, you know, gearing up for Wimbledon in that sense. Like maybe he's going to sit out most of the rest of the tournaments, but he's still going to get ready. His knees on that grass might have a little better chance of surviving. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to put any expectations on the man, but 
that would make the most sense. He said it's his favorite course, he, how much he would love to go back there. Uh, I'm sure he's dying inside to, to play that one if he can get his game in a, sh in a place where he thinks he could you know, play well and contend. That's always been his thing, right? He doesn't just want to show up. He doesn't want to enter the tournament unless he thinks he has a chance to win. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest reason we won't see him before he thinks he's ready. Um, and I really think that that's true. There was a time five years ago where he was really forcing these comebacks, and I don't think he's going to do that here. Yeah. It, you know what? I, I think a lot of people aren't necessarily going to ask it out of him either. Uh, anything else for you from the Bahamas? What are your plans to do the rest of the week? Are you uh, enjoying life in the sand? Yeah, my last Tiger thought, I think, is is that he just, he looked good. Like, he was really alert. Um, he was clear. I mean, you know, the last interviews before the crash, he was, you know, very sleepy when he was on with Jim Nance. There was really none of that here, which was encouraging. Um, he was engaged. He was sharp. So that was great to see. It was, it was just, if you're a fan of Tiger Woods, I would say this was reassuring. Um, Signs of yes, life. Yes, there's definitely some melancholy stuff about uh, about Tiger the golfer. I mean, it's not all great news. But if you're concerned about Tiger the person, I think this is a step in the right yeah. direction. And if people can mentally rewind six, seven, eight months to where we were in March, April, May, we're not getting anything from the guy. I think, holy, holy cow, right. this... It feels like 2021 is going to end on a, a high note for the guy as he turns he turns 46 in a couple weeks. You want a Tiger Woods fun fact? In 2016 and 2017, my man played two 72-hole golf <laughs> tournaments combined, both at the Hero World Challenge. I think that I at least forget about that. Maybe other people don't forget about that, but that's insane. So... The dude does know how to climb mountains. Um, I mean, it's a good vibe here at the Hero. Besides that, they are having a like a basically a member guest today. The players <laughs> can't even be on the course until Hell 2 p.m. Yeah. Uh, so there's a definitely a pretty chill kind of clubby vibe. It's just a small crew. Even the way they refer to the place, we are at Albany. No one says Albany Golf Club. The golf club is just implied. This is just Albany. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping to, hoping to dip my toes in the water at some point. I'm staying over at the Baja Mar, which is a big resort hotel that I think you've been to in the past. With a casino. With a casino. I have not done any investing yet, Sean, but I'll have to keep the listeners posted. Go get your feet in the water. Go for a run along the beach. Go have some of that coffee from the cafe on the beach and go keep making me jealous as it, uh, was in the teens this morning in Chicago when I woke up temperature-wise. So Woo. great reporting from you down there, and uh, everyone else can, uh, I guess, read all your work this weekend. All right, pal, go pour yourself a rum punch <laughs> and uh, find, find your beach, right? Oh, God, that's good. <laughs>